You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, belly up to the bar. Let's talk football. This is the Locked On NFL podcast. I am Matt Williamson. I was a scout for the Browns. I was the recruiting assistant at Pitt before that for three years, a director of football operations at the University of Akron before that. And I was at ESPN for 10 years, and since then I've been talking with you guys regularly, usually five days a week. And during the season, we have Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus on every Wednesday, and as usual, he has joined us. Mike, how are you? Doing great, Matt. Great, great. Um, Those of you that haven't been listening for a long time, and there's a lot of new listeners, I also work for Steeler Nation Radio. I'm going to go to Panthers Steelers tomorrow. Um, but Mike just did an article about this Panthers offense, and we talked to the Locked On Panthers folks, and it's a really dynamic offense, and I know there's a lot of great ones out there, but I don't think this one's getting the credit as an upper-tier unit. Mike, what do you think? What do you see in there? Yeah, truthfully, I did not expect them coming into the season to be that great. I mean, one big reason was... The offensive line, you lost Andrew Norwell, one of the best guards in the NFL. You lost both your starting tackles, you know, in preseason to injury, even though Matt Khalil, not a huge loss. But I just thought the offensive line, you know, in today's game, you need an offensive line to be successful, to be a high-level offense, I feel like. And they, they've gotten good results from the offensive line, but it still hasn't been anywhere close to a good offensive line. But North Turner really is putting on, has reinvented himself here in Carolina after you know everyone saw his offense in Minnesota, thought it was outdated, still had the same you know concepts he was running back when he you know won Super Bowls in Dallas in the early '90s. But it com- looks completely different from anything we've seen from him in the past. You know, at stop in Minnesota, stop in Cleveland, he's really utilizing Cam Newton as a rushing threat, and they're tough to stop right now because of Newton, because of the weapons they have on the outside. Uh, it's a fun team to watch. Yeah, something I've been saying a lot this week, you know, on Steel Nation Radio has been, you Pittsburgh, you haven't seen this team in four years. It's a short week. They're a really difficult offense to prepare for, and there's very little time to do it. They are really fast and athletic at every position, including quarterback, and maybe Olsen isn't what he used to be in that regard, but he's still a quality player. And they're deep. I mean, there's a lot of different weapons here. It's hard to... Again, they're hard to prepare for. I don't know how I would go about saying, "Boy, we got to stop this guy," or "We got to slow down the running game," or take away their number one receiver because they can beat you in a lot of different ways. Yeah, and the biggest thing, the biggest thing that I found pouring through our data was they run uh, their top ten in terms of RPOs that they run. They run a ton of run pass options, and then they're number two in terms of just pure read option looks, where they're actually reading. You know, Cam Newton is actually reading an unblocked man and he gets the opportunity to give it to McCaffrey or take it himself or even sometimes they'll run, you know, triple option, speed option stuff with Newton. So those are just tough looks to defend in the NFL. A lot of offense coordinators are hesitant to run those with their quarterback because they don't want to risk injury, don't want to succumb him to, you know, unnecessary hits. But Cam Newton, I mean, he's been a pinnacle of health over the course of his career, he's delivering the one, he's the one delivering hits to, you know, linebackers and safeties and corners, not the other way around usually. And he's good at protecting himself. So they utilize him in the running game. And once you do that, that opens up so many more options as a, as a play caller, so many more options uh, as a quarterback. And it's just tough to stop. They have the, 
best you know, expected points added in their running game of any team in the NFL right now. You might not have guessed that right off the bat, but they've just been incredibly successful with those uh, option looks. Yeah, and I give Turner all the credit in the world because, I mean, talk about a, an old dog, new tricks. Um, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought they might have, you know, Newton running seven-step drops and, uh, you know, driving the ball down the field. But like was the case pre-Turner, I think more than any offense in the league, they incorporate running back or, or quarterback runs as a featured aspect of what they do, and including, you know, the threat of a quarterback run. I mean, it's not just like Cam's winging it out there and, uh, you know, decides to pull the ball down and run around when the play breaks mm-hmm. down. It's all designed. Yeah, he's not a big scrambler. He's not a guy who, you know, he doesn't break the pocket even as much as someone like Aaron Rodgers. He's not, that's not his game. He, a lot of his rushing yards come via actual design runs. I think only the Seahawks have run more actual option looks than the Panthers this season. Uh, and, and it's worked. I mean, like I said, the running game is very dynamic. And then the biggest thing is they're utilizing that run game and play actioning the third most of any team in the NFL this season. And Cam Newton, I think he has a pass rating of 131.2 off of play action this year. He's just been devastating with that because of how much it impacts the linebackers eyes safety's eyes where they're looking with the rpo looks and with those option looks that once you run play action off of it you get huge you know gobs of space behind those guys and they've been very successful with those yeah and and then the play action also slows down the pass rush and Mm -hmm. makes people freeze the all this pre-step motion what's your early take on panthers or steelers i think it's gonna be a really good game I do. I think the Steelers are still the more, I don't want to say complete offense, but I just trust them game in and game out to be more consistent. I'd say a more consistent offense at this point, although both defenses really scare me. I believe it's in Pittsburgh, right? I'm not crazy saying that it is in Pittsburgh. And so I I think they're fairly even up teams outside of that. So I guess I'd lean home team with uh, that being the case. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're four point favorites. That seems like a lot to me. Does Uh, seem like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, you, you put out an, an offensive line rankings every week, and we usually touch on it, but there was just a couple teams I wanted to mention there, too, and it's both those teams that meet Thursday night. You kind of already talked about the Panthers. They're at 15. I mean, I think any Panther fan in the league, in the world, would say, yeah, I'll take the 15th-ranked offensive line, considering what you know has happened to them and you know how weak they looked in the preseason. But the Steelers are at one, and watching them as closely as I do, that doesn't surprise me because the protection's been awesome for a while now, and now the run blocking's starting to really pick up. Yeah, the uh, the pass protection really came on strong over the past handful of weeks. Like, I think the past like four or five weeks, they've just been lights out, like, as good as it gets in terms of pass protection in the NFL. Uh, and doing that with some backups, uh, Filer at right tackle has been uh, – ridiculous in terms of they just keep churning out it seems like every backup that comes in is not a liability every other team in the nfl is seemingly if they have to go their backup it's a huge issue Steelers just keep on churning it's pretty incredible what they've done there it is and it's something i talk about a lot here on the local radio is maybe the biggest asset this organization has going for it is mike munchak as their offensive line coach i mean every year they develop a no-name, undrafted free agent that is that plays like a starter. I mean, like, Hubbard just got huge money to go to Cleveland. You mentioned Filer. B.J. Finney's a really good player. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, people don't realize in an offensive line-starved league what a huge advantage it is to take an undrafted free agent lineman and make him into a starter. 
Yeah, exactly. Because you don't have to invest. Every other team basically needs to usually hit a first rounder or sign a big money free agent if you don't They're have a good offensive line coach to yeah to to get that quality offensive line. When you have a good line coach, you have the ability to develop these guys who because no one comes out of college finished product. No one comes out of college even close to a finished product. They have so far to go. Even the top, even those first rounders. And if you don't have someone that can take those guys from the level they're at in college to the next level, uh, you're behind the eight ball in terms of as a GM. But if you have that guy, all of a sudden you don't have to invest in it. You don't have to re-sign someone like Chris Hubbard. You don't have to pay him big money. You just know that the next man up is going to do the job as well, which is a huge, huge bonus for any offense. Yeah, it is. And it, it also makes attracting high-end free agent undrafted guys easy mm-hmm. too. You know, hey, we're going to turn you into a star. There's two other lines I wanted to mention, and there are two that are much maligned over the years, and, and rightfully so. But you have the Colts at 6 and the Seattle Seahawks at 19. I mean, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Yeah, the Colts one, uh, I, I think at some point you knew it was going to start to turn around. With right. all the investment, first-rounder in Ryan Kelly, obviously Costanzo's been fairly solid his whole career, and then you go top-ten pick, Quentin Nelson, top of the second round, Braden Smith. But the, great, the craziest part to me has been Braden Smith has – actually gone from right guard in college to right tackle now in the NFL and is playing as good as he is. He's a solid starter at right tackle immediately right now. Uh, after basically never, he had one start at right tackle, I believe, at Auburn his entire career there, which that, that's just the transition never goes that way. It's usually the exact opposite. Sure. And so that's crazy for them to see. And then the Seahawks, I think it was the sort of the Tom Cable effect. <laughs> yes. Tom Cable, I think, has been quoted somewhere as saying pass protections on the quarterback, which – basically meant he's not coaching guys at pass pro. <laughs> so uh, they've just, I think we've seen the difference in, again, how an offensive line coach matters in terms of, they've just been much better in pass protection. Now they haven't been great, but much better than, you know, bottom of the league every single year for the last, you know, handful of years is, uh, has been a huge improvement for them. Yeah. I mean, even in past years, I mean, people made it out like Seattle was ignoring their offensive line. They used high picks over and over and as well as, trading for mm-hmm. Brown and, you know, both these teams have addressed this, this, this need in a big way and it's starting to pay off. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then I want to bring up another O-line situation that isn't looking so good. All right, we are back and it's to pull back the curtain. It's Wednesday around noon Eastern. So I haven't gotten the exact reports on what is going on with Washington's offensive line. But holy smokes, it's like last year. I mean, last year they went through so many linemen, bad linemen, because of injury. And they basically now have four-fifths of their offensive line injured to some degree. Are you with me, Mike? I mean, are are the Redskins done? And to take it a step further, can the Eagles possibly lose the NFC East now? The Red, the Red Sins are toast. I, I think they're I think toast. They're done. Yes. Yeah, they're, they're because miserable. Good as they started out, Alex Smith is not a quarterback. I want playing behind a bad offensive line. He will turn into the most conservative. I mean, he's already one of the most conservative quarterbacks in the NFL. He's just going to turn into four yards, four yeah. yard hitch routes every single play. Which, I mean, that's just been his mo over the course of the year. If he doesn't have the time, he's going to get the ball out of his hands. He doesn't want to take hits. And it's just going to be, you know, the path of least resistance, which is the, you know, the swing routes, hits routes. He's just not going to push the ball down the field. And boy, is he not going to have the time now? Now, now, Ty Inseki, the backup tackle, is very good. He's one of the best backup tackles in the NFL. He could fill in for Trent Williams, but at the same time, you don't 
the interior, Sean Lalvo. I gosh, I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Uh, I've never left said guard. his name right. <laughs> <laughs> he was already not great, so if the backup for him is not going to be great, and then you have to replace Brandon Scherf as well, who I'm pretty sure is going to be out for the season. I believe he tore his pec. So mm-hmm. both guards, and they did not. Once they went out in this past week, uh, it was game over against Falcons. That Falcons front, not they're fine, but they are not close to what they're going to see in the NFC East. Not as good as the Cowboys, not as good as the Eagles up front. So once they have to go against a team like that, I just don't see how they're going to move the ball offensively. Yeah, and we saw it against the Falcons that even if that line were healthy, basically the minute that Washington gets down by 10 points or touchdown or so, they're not equipped to come back. And a lot of it's no. a quarterback. I mean, a lot of it's a weapons. But And poor Adrian Peterson, he's running well, but sell him in fantasy too i mean he's cooked yeah. too right it's over so you look at the rest of the division i mean i don't have any faith in dallas i think the giants are miserable it seems like they're just handing it on a silver platter to philadelphia it really is uh, the cowboys this past week the fact that they didn't beat the titans at home that should have been slam dunk if you had yeah. any aspirations of winning the nfc east you had to get that game I still think they're an incredibly talented team. I love that defense talent-wise. Yeah. I think their pass rush is one of the best in the league. Byron Jones is playing great on the back end. Love their linebackers. But, gosh, offensively, Dak is just – it's time to say it's not. he's not it. It's not him right now. He is not the guy to lead a modern passing offense. If you, you just don't want to go – if you have to have everything perfect around him and have to have the best running game in the NFL for you to be a playoff team – chances are that's not the guy you want leading you to the Super Bowl. He just, I don't think he's going to be the guy. And so it, we'll see the rest of the year how it plays out. But as it looks right now, I don't think he's, uh, I just don't think the offense is going to be equipped to score enough points. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. And I think you can argue if he's worth a first-round pick or not, but I do think adding Amari Cooper is useful. It helps in a lot of ways on that on that offense. But Dak looks like a rookie fifth round, or third round or third-year fifth round pick type guy you know i mean he, i was gonna say yeah he looks about what everyone kind of said about him coming out yeah right um another texan or texas team i wanted to bring up is houston are they a fraud i mean i think they're gonna win their division but this is like the least impressive winning streak i've ever seen i think they are a couple reasons one i think they've played uh the easiest schedule in the nfl up to this point i right. believe in terms of record wise opposing records uh, I mean, they really don't have – they have the worst offensive line in the NFL, just talent-wise. They have to do so much to protect it. They chip basically every single play. They have a lot of max protections. They do so much to protect their tackles that it just limits that offense. You can't – you're not going to be a consistent high-level offense if you're only sending two and three guys in a route on your passing plays. Teams are just going to figure that out eventually. And then defensively, they're all right. I love you know J.J. Watts, great that he's back. He's playing at a high level. Clowney as well. But on the back end, it's kind of been smoke and mirrors. They don't have a ton of talent. I think they still win that division because, again, it's not a great division. But in terms of if you're actually thinking about them competing in the AFC, I don't see it. Do you agree with me that there's four teams in the AFC that could go to the Super Bowl? So those would be the Chiefs, the Steelers, the Patriots, and Chargers. the Chargers. Yeah, I can get on board with that. I don't. I don't Anyone else at this point would be a massive. It, it would have to be. I, I don't know how anyone else would make it at this point. Right. Truthfully. I mean, like, yeah, it, it, 
it would be a massive upset or injuries would have to strike somewhere. Right, right. And after Monday night, I think Tennessee might be that sixth team. That, you know, AFC always has a crappy sixth team that gets into the playoffs, the Bills, the Dolphins the last <laughs> couple of years. That looks like Tennessee to me now. I still think it's going to be the Bengals, truthfully. I just think they're – I think they're at least balanced. I don't like Tennessee's offense whatsoever. The defense is playing all right, but I think the defense still has issues in terms of, well, one Malcolm Butler – that you can just expose. But uh, I think the Bengals, once they're you know sort of fully healthy offensively, which I'm not sure if that's ever going to happen, but uh, I think they just have some offensive-defensive balance to sneak through. One of the biggest shocks to me, though, this year is that the Bengals' D has been a liability. I thought it was going to be a top-10 type of group. I know. I thought the pass rush was going to be better. Now, Carl Lawson got hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jordan Willis never really came on. Ryan Glasgow got hurt in the interior as well, so they had injuries there. And then the linebackers were just so terrible. bad, and they and they refused to they refused to do anything other than play soft zone to where they're just getting exposed. Like they are, right. the scheme with what they have talent wise should be a lot more man coverage than they play because of how good their corners are on the outside. They're just comparatively to their linebackers, and they have fairly good safeties as well. But they can they just insist on you know, giving teams gob, you know, just so much space in the middle of the field to work with because of how bad their linebackers are. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, again, we're going to take a real quick break, and we'll be back. I want to discuss the rookie quarterbacks with Mike here in a minute. All right, we have returned, and I hate to lump you in with your PFF brethren, but I recall you being infatuated with Baker Mayfield, as I know Pro Football Focus was. If, if we're, Now we're looking at Rosen, Mayfield, Lamar Jackson's kind of his own animal, although I think he should play more. Allen, who's been hurt. Darnold, who's really struggling. And nobody, to me, is lighting it up. Would you still... If I gave you choice of you could start your franchise with any of those five, is it still Mayfield for you? Uh, It's still Mayfield, 100%. I think it's actually... I don't want to say been strengthened by this freshman year, or by the rookie year, but I think he's shown more in terms of ability just in terms of uh just arm talent i I think he's just been better in terms of throw quality than all the other guys so yeah yeah and again most of these guys are really a tough eval right now because they're either not playing or playing poorly or more likely just no no help around them um i don't disagree with you with mayfield I, i didn't mean to set it up as Boy, he wouldn't be my pick. He's a bust. I don't think that's the case at all. I'm sure the Browns are very happy mm-hmm. with him. I think he's a long-term starter. I really like Rosen, though. And I think next year he will show the world that he is a very adept, precise pocket passer. Rosen's such a tough eval this year, at he least is. in terms of looking at his play and objectively you know, projecting forward because... One terrible offensive line, one of the worst in the NFL. Terrible weapons. Just in terms of surrounding talent, he's, I'd say, Awful. easily the worst of any of the rookies. Maybe the worst in the NFL in terms of quarterback. So it's a bad situation. Well, Buffalo is pretty bad. <laughs> Buffalo is too. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I take that back. Yes, Buffalo is the holy so, God, second bad. worst. Yes, but uh, so just a bad situation. And then uh, you change offensive coordinators already midseason, but. In terms of pocket passing, he's been you. You see the high end. There is the high ends already there. The consistency though was the thing that was my biggest question, even at UCLA. And now he didn't have a ton of talent at UCLA either. Mm-hmm. But his consistency, game to game, and even throw to throw was what 
I was worried about. And so that's still been an issue, which obviously every rookie that's an issue with. So that's not too worrisome to me, but I will say, I, I don't, I just don't think he ever was extremely consistent, which is what I'd need to see before I'm ready to get on board with you. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. I mean, if all these, if these five first rounders were stocks, I would be investing in Rosen for what the public believes he's worth right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where I think a lot of people like, still believe Baker is legit, where I think Rosen's stock is low undeservedly. Yeah, I think everyone's just pretty much on the whole rookie class has been down mm-hmm. on them in terms of what we saw from those rookies. I mean, you get a little spoiled when Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, plays as well as he did the first time. And then even Patrick Mahomes, you know, his first exposure is playing as well as he did. People just expect that then. Not always the case. And we've seen in the past, just rookie year, you can almost throw out the window in terms of how much it matters for long-term success for quarterbacks. You're right. And that being said, I mean, it goes back to USC days. Darnold worries me in a Jameis Winston-like fashion. I mean, in terms of just a roller coaster, making throws that make you scratch your head. And the Jets have so much cap space and will have some premium picks. I mean, that offense might look entirely different next year. But he's scaring me a little bit. Yeah, the just the bad decisions, yeah. uh, the decision making, the basically the fearlessness that leads to some awesome throws is always it's omnipresent. The fearlessness he thinks he can make every throw every single time and tries to fit all these in, and he just can't. I mean, not any, not anyone, no one in the NFL can make the throws that he's trying to attempt here. So that's worrisome because it, it doesn't the jump from college to pro it only, it's harder it's always going to be the windows are always going to be smaller. The, if you think you can fit it into all these small windows now, it's, I don't think that's ever going to change. That's just sort of a personality trait. Uh, so the, the Jameis Winston esque sort of career arc is, is worrisome. Yeah, it is. And last question I have for you that I'll let you run is it's a bye week for the Ravens. How would you handle their, their quarterback situation? They're a tough watch right now. They are. Uh, offense is just putrid. I mean, it's back to the flack that we've seen the last three years. Right. And he is who he is. At the same time, I, I don't I don't think Lamar's coming in and saving the day. Boy, he looked bad in the preseason, for, too. Yeah, and <laughs> the accuracy. I mean, he had that throw, uh, gosh, who was it, a couple weeks ago, where wide open down the sideline uh, on a, sort of an option play, and he just dumped it by about 10 yards short. I mean, just one of the most right. inaccurate throws I've seen at the NFL level. I don't think that's he's ever going to be an accurate QB, but you know what you're getting with Flacco all set. You've seen it for three years. He played all right for a few games early in the season, but he's back to what he's been. You know that's who he is. You drafted this guy in the first round. Flacco's not leading you to a Super Bowl the way he's playing right now. I'd say make the move because, it, like again, it's, it can only get worse than if it gets worse. You know, you again, you draft this guy in the first round. You build around him. You get higher draft picks then, but if it gets better, if you, you run this option-heavy attack and all of a sudden you're moving the ball better than you were before, hey, well, then you got a shot. So I, I do think that a move just has to be made because it's kind of like the Eli Manning at the end of last year. It's just gone stale. You just need someone else there. Uh, the only Giants' biggest mistake was that they didn't do it sooner. Yeah, I mean, you know who Joe is. He's no different than he was the last couple of years. And while Jackson looks really you know, questionable for sure as a passer, I don't know that the offense would be worse. And in the meantime, you can at least evaluate this guy for, what, the next mm-hmm. seven games and get a clue as to you know what to do with him or do you need to bring somebody else in. 
And, and lastly, the thing that makes me crazy, and I hope at least they could take the, go to this degree, is give him a series or two per game at a minimum. Maybe you go t- entirely to him without freaking Flacco on the field. You know, like... Joe standing there in the corner like a statue when you play 10 on 11 <laughs> makes me insane. Yeah. You know, like, what's he going to do? Yeah, those gimmicks do it, – that's it, just what they are. They're gimmicks. They're not – that's They're not preparing searching. Lamar yeah. for any sort of quarterback play. You're just basically – yeah, I don't know what it is. It's not, it hasn't helped. <laughs> it hasn't helped, right. I mean – the offense is so bad that sometimes those gimmicky plays create yardage and they're trying to win games. But in the end, Joe just sits there. I mean, he could take his helmet off and sit down. I mean, he's not even a football player at that point. Mike, you're the man. Um, let's do this again next Wednesday. This was fun. Could always, I always enjoy our conversations. Take care. And I urge everyone to check out tomorrow's show. I'm bringing back uh, Mike Sando from ESPN. And then I will go to my bookie on Friday and pick all the games for you guys. So... That is a wrap. Spread the word about the Locked On Network.